Hello. Welcome. We are the three intern ministers at Community Church of New York in Manhattan. We three interns are Unitarian Universalists in the process of becoming ordained clergy. In this podcast, we delve into the life of an intern minister. We explore the ways our lives and internships intersect and how this is ministerial formation. I'm Megan Henry. I'm Anthony Cruz. I'm Carrie McAvoy. And we're... Ready Now! Good afternoon, dear colleagues, listeners, community. We are once again here recording, revving up, and our topic today is ministerial formation. I've been thinking about this as I come to a close in my semester as I am soon to graduate Midville Lombard Theological School. All my assignments have to be turned in by the 26th of this month. And so ministerial formation has been rubbing up all week. And I am just excited to share with the community listeners, but with my colleagues as well. What are your thoughts about ministerial formation and any anecdotes or even just question marks are totally welcome today. So how are we doing? And what about this topic? I'll start us off. I've been thinking, particularly within ministerial formation, I've been looking back at my own relationship and experiences in different religious communities, congregational spaces, and denominations. Um, For example, um, I grew up and was raised in a, let's say, modern um, Pentecostal tradition in Puerto Rico. And then um, during my college years, I was lucky. I I have no other word to find um, the reform um, Jewish um, community in Puerto Rico, where I spent the, the last remaining four years before I moved to the mainland. And through the Jewish community, I found my humanist identity. And so I kind of always hold those three pillars of my own theological religious experience to really kind of always compare and contrast and bring my whole story, my whole self into what I am experiencing, what I'm engaging with, and how do we always remain informed and influenced by our particular um, realities. And so, um, from, for example, a Pentecostal tradition, right? You just need the anointing of the Holy Spirit and potentially the affirmation of any of the leaders, right? In, in that congregation and just maybe even just opening your own <laughs> um, church and, and that's it. Um, well, as some of us might know in, in the Jewish tradition, depending on what branch it is, you either go to rabbinical school or train under a particular rabbi, under a particular um, tradition, right? And then after five, six years, you might get ordained or receive smicha, 
right? And, and be ordained as rabbi. Um, but for us in, in more liberal or progressive circles, I think that the ministerial um, concept, I think might be more blurry or more complex. Um, but at least for me, particularly, I always tie ministerial formation with um, a colon vocation, right? That comes from the Latin vocare and how that is basically a fusion of your abilities, talents, but your deepest longing as well, both individually as well as communally and how all those three take shape that give you a more clarity in, in where the direction is to be taken. Um, but I don't know, this is a conversation. So I'm curious and just interested in, in hearing from my colleagues as well. I think that my upbringing really influences my um, uh, thoughts around this also. Um, I was raised in some UU communities, Unitarian Universalist communities. And I say UU for short, just cause it's like so much quicker than all of those syllables. But um, I, and, and now I'm studying to become a Unitarian Universalist minister, which is uh, interesting because I grew up in these communities that were, um, you know, a, a first Edna church, a UU church, and then I went to a UU camp and conference center, and I would spend my summers there, but then my parents, my dad and my stepmom um, worked there all year round, and so there were times when I went and lived there for the entire, you know, throughout the entire year, and so was just kind of living in UU community at this UU camp, and then when I um, was in high school, I went to a Southern Baptist boarding school in Kentucky. And so that was also living in a faith community, but because it was um, grounded in the Southern Baptist tradition, it was very different from UU. Um, and it gave me this whole new kind of um, uh, eye-opening experience around reading the Bible and thinking about the stories in the Bible that I hadn't learned before and getting in this Southern Baptist perspective that for in many ways I disagreed with. Um, there were um, as, as girls, um, in the school, we were not allowed to be free. We didn't have any freedom of movement on the campus. We were only allowed to leave the dorm if we were accompanied by a teacher. Um, and you could sometimes during the day, like when you were going to different buildings for different classes, you were allowed to move around between the buildings to different classes, but never alone. Um, so it was just a very different kind of, you know, we weren't allowed to dance. It was kind of like footloose. They took away our music, you know, stuff like that. So it was very different, you know, religious community experience. And all of these things, I think, have um, impacted who I am as I am studying to become a UU minister. And what does it mean to be a minister and have impacted my formation in terms of how I think of what does a minister do? What is the role of a minister? So how do I get to be, how do I form to be the person who is um, living that role in the community? And um, it's, I'm in my second year of seminary. And so I have a little ways to go before I get to where you are, Anthony. Um, but I do think that it's, I mean, some things are kind of starting to, to come clear to me. Like, I see that the UU minister often 
is in a role of being a guide for the community, um, lifting up times when we're not living up into our principles um, and helping us get back on track, getting the community back on track. Also creating a space, um, holding, holding, like creating a space and then holding that space so that people can explore um, spirituality, explore their faith and explore religious practices in a community together. So I think about it as very community oriented. And I think that's because of all my upbringing and living in these different faith communities. Yeah, that's really interesting because I grew up um, Catholic and I went to Catholic school. Um, so of course in Catholicism, there really is no, very little uh, room for female involvement in the liturgy, for instance. So when I was growing up, um, women were allowed to be Eucharistic ministers and they were allowed to do the reading, but not, they weren't helping, the girls were not helping with the priests during liturgy and very proscribed kind of roles. And then um, we had uh, nuns in our school and, and also who came through the church and mostly the roles for women in those were teachers and service related. So still not, not really, it's religious service rather than leadership. So growing up, I didn't see a place for me to be a minister in that context. And um, it wasn't until I became a UU a little over a decade ago that I even thought that saw that, that was a possibility. Um, so it's it's been really interesting. Like I was, um, I've been doing some work with the kids in religious education on Sundays. And one of the first times I was in there, um, the RE director, the religious education director introduced me as an intern minister. And one of the kids asked, what is a minister? And I completely drew a blank. It's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> I, know. I know out of the, out of the mouths of babes, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's, it's really from a UU context, ministry is, um, is different than, than in a Pentecostal tradition or a, a priest in Catholicism. And there's, there's so many different pieces to it. There's the pastoral element of being with the sick in, in times of crisis. There's the leading liturgy. There's the delivering a message, whether it's prophetic or pastoral. Um, there's modeling behavior, godly behavior or um, mm -hmm. ethical behavior. There's calling people to be learning how to be in community, in beloved community, how to build a beloved community. And also, I think one of the most important roles of a minister is to help help bring out the ministry in others, whether that's uh, professional, which is what we're all seeking, is clerical ordained ministry. But I think um, part of being a spiritual leader is to let people know that there are many different ways to minister and really... Um, helping them look in themselves and figure out how, how they can deepen their spiritual development and also become ministers themselves. Thank you so much, Carrie, for just um, pushing us in, in this direction because I've also been pondering and thinking about um, within, for example, the Unitarian Universalist tradition, how for the longest time 
the definition of what ministry was, was connected to parish or a congregational space. And that was your whole formation was basically satisfying the competencies around the life of a brick and mortar space. Well, well, in the last 25 to 30 years, it has become more visible the possibility or reality of doing community ministry and how a community minister is a minister who ministers, no pun intended, right? Within the community. And as I like to say, the, the other 90% of our lives, right? Normally a congregation just meets on Sundays or Wednesday and Friday and that's it. Um, and then community ministry is really looking at the over encompassing reality of our lives outside of a particular time and space and more into the integration of, um, you know, it, um, universities, right, as campus um, chaplains, hospitals, prisons, or any other entrepreneurial um, possibility. And, and so that for me is just so powerful because as we take into account this global pandemic, right, and the different um, influences and impacts that it has had in our own lived reality, then isn't media ministry where almost all ministry are headed towards and how do we pay attention to that cultural shift as well as redefinition of, for example, who gets to validate um, your ministry. And, and I guess I would just quote something that I saw on Facebook, no pun intended. <laughs> I have as my background actually, um, that says that no one is supposed to understand your calling. It was not a conference call. Um, and I think it's a little facetious, right? But I think that it does point um, to the reality of like, you first of all need to understand that we all have a calling as you mentioned, Carrie, right? Um, within the Roman, the, Ro the Roman Catholic tradition, there's this understanding that everybody has a calling. Everybody has a vocation to fulfill, regardless if it is to become a presbyter or um, to become parents or whatever it is that the person feels called to do However, within that, there is a dialogue um, within the theological tradition, the community where you are rooted in, and then how do you respond in terms of your abilities, talents, and capacities. But it's just so powerful, um, Carrie, just to hear um, your own upbringing as well as you, Megan, um, and how we're always in, in a fluid process of, understanding our own selves in relationship with, um, I, I think for me, for example, I was um, writing some finals and, and I came across this quote that I really, really liked and I'm forgetting the source, but it said something around community does not begin to happen until you are interested in understanding the other. And I think that basically that's what we're doing by sharing our stories and just toggling um, around ministerial formation. It's just the complexity 
um, and multiplicity of what it means for each of us. I, I agree. And I think sometimes as I'm going through this process, what is it that, you know, for, because part of it is so individualized um, and because there is this, um, there's this formation system that if you're going to become, you know, an ordained clergy person in your particular um, denomination, there are things that you need to do. Um, maybe in Pentecostal tradition, it's fewer things, right? But, um, and it just depends on, on what the tradition is. And in Unitarian Universalism, there are, there are many steps and there are um, lots of requirements. And, um, and that's interesting to me. I think it brings up how, because there is so much um, freedom within Unitarian Universalism, freedom, um, around um, belief systems, you know, certainly we are non-dogmatic as Unitarian Universalists. So there is no creed that one must, you know, say, I believe this. I, I you know, you don't have to say, uh, recite the creed in order to become a Unitarian Universalist. And we um, have many people coming from uh, many different traditions. So having a really, like, it makes me think that maybe that's one of the reasons we have a very like structured system um, uh, to become a UU minister, because you've got folks who maybe became, um, like discovered Unitarian Universalism as a religion and as a community, maybe only five years before they decided to go to seminary or even less, or maybe they've been a Unitarian Universalist their whole lives and they still don't really, you know, maybe, maybe that was, you know, like kind of a nominal, like on the side thing or whatever, or, or maybe they're just like the model Unitarian Universalist, whatever that might be. And still that doesn't mean that somebody's going to be a good minister in that faith. Right. So there's something else. There is some, something. Um, and I think it's going to be a little bit different for each community in terms of what they're looking for, which is another thing about UU ministers, right? Like, and communities, um, it's not like we as a minister get placed in a community by um, an overarching um, group that says, here, you go there to serve that church. Instead, the, the congregation itself is the one that calls the minister to serve them. So there is this process of going through, figuring out if you are the right match for one another. Um, and so different, different UU ministers are going to be um, matched well with various different communities. So there's something kind of cool about that too, because if I'm a certain kind of minister and a congregation is looking for a very different certain kind of minister, well then, okay, um, we're not a good match. Uh, they'll look for someone else and I'll look for a different place. It's kind of an interesting um, matching kind of system. And I think that as a you know, born and raised you, you, it's been really interesting to me to kind of recognize that these people that I've thought that I've known as ministers all of this time, like, you know, I didn't really place that much. I actually did not place that much importance on them and not in my upbringing or anything. Like there wasn't a lot of like minister worship, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, minister worship, Whereas in some traditions there is. So, you know, there's a, there are a lot of uh, varieties um, of ways of thinking about how all of these things come together to create 
and form not only a community, but also a minister. Yeah, when I think about ministerial formation, there's certainly the, um, the long list of competencies that for, for you use is the ministerial fellowship committee who passes muster on us and, and says whether we can be a UU minister or not. And part of that is an internship and a master's of divinity and, and all of these different boxes you need to check. But also there's something a little more, I don't know if it's organic, but um, there's something more than just going to classes. There's something more than just checking off the boxes. There's this, um, there's something that makes me be in the world differently than I was before. And that is just, just happens. I think I've mentioned it before. It's just, I decided to become a minister and because I've made that decision, I conduct myself differently. And also a lot of, at least my experience at Neville Lombard is the need to really look inside myself, understand where I've come from, understand what my values are, understand how I'm living those values and how I want to live those values. Um, and just really tapping into what makes me a minister in my own authentic, spiritual body, fully embodied way. Um, so that's kind of the really hard to explain that process, but it's really, really a, an amazing experience. Everybody, I am just so thrilled, excited. And if I were just to sum up our conversation, at least from my perspective, we are just opening up an invitation for you to be encouraged, empowered, to practice, to throw yourself into that community, fellowship, congregation that you feel call to where maybe you hold membership or maybe even just have curiosity about and just go and feel it out. Throw your whole self, your body, your mind, your feelings into the space and just explore and let that wonder, curiosity just cover you and then discern where does your abilities, talents and your deepest longing root you in that process. As we come to a close, I would love to invite our listening, um, our listeners, our community to please subscribe to our recently created Facebook group, Rebbing Up. Please subscribe. We would love to welcome you as well as please feel free to write to podcast at ccny.org. And I am just, as my colleagues, excited to hear your comments. Now we will be able to engage more personally through the group. And please do not forget that in May, we are going to have our in-person um, through Facebook, of course, um, container space, to see all of you join. Yeah, we're really looking forward to this live event. I've never done a live event. So I know I'm, you know, you know, you neither, Carrie. How about you, Anthony? Have you ever done a live Facebook event? I have. You have, great. You can lead us, my friend. Yay. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be, um, 
new to a couple of us and also we'll have our, our, our leader and it should just be a lot of fun. So if you've never done something like that before, don't worry, you're not alone. And please come join us so that we can all uh, be in it together. Until next time, have a good day and thank you for listening. Bye everyone. Bye everyone.